This is a medicinal mass network production. Enjoy. What's up, boot squeakers? Welcome back to the FBI Basement, the podcast where we watch and review every single episode of the hit 90s TV series, The X-Files, and we do it because we are compelled to do so by the spheres. As foretold in the prophecy, starring Chow Young-Fat. Uh, that was... It is Christopher Walken. Can we just get to the episode, or is that just not going to happen? Uh, today on the program, we um, uh, take a look at the portrait of a serial killer. Wait, Michael Rooker's in this episode? Uh, no. Damn it. We're heading to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hey. <laughs> to um, uh, investigate the escalation of a man from ghoul to murderer. He, he goes really fast. Uh, I'm Todd. Joining me today on our panel of conspiracy theorists is my better half. And author and uh, convention hall lurker, Shannon. Hi. Also joining us today, Marissa, the oddite delight, drawer of things. Lots of different things. Uh, big things and small things, and uh, I've run out of things to say. And of course, our producer and the potentate of the Medicinal Mass Network, Valentine. Some nice uh, hair you got going there. Mind if I take a little snip? Okay. Snippy, snippy. Okay, this episode is called Irresistible. It was the 13th episode of the second season, originally airing January 13th, 1995, written by Chris Carter and directed by David Nutter. (laughs) 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 We're going to keep doing that, folks. It's just going to be a running gag. That's what it's called, folks, right? Because one time it is funny, two times it's even funnier, but 14 times. Comic gold. That's right. We don't even uh, rehearse these, do we? I'll edit the last three times that you guys failed out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you don't understand how, how how much hard work goes into making us not look like not sound like a bunch of fucking chimps. Uh, but Valentine does it. He he does it every week, and we appreciate him for it. And uh, if he doesn't do it, he gets the hose. Been pretty good lately. Yeah, scars are healing. You know, I'm, I'm moving up in life now. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I would like to remind you that the FBI basement comes to you every Thursday without commercial interruption or uh, any charges filed to you. They don't file charges. What are we thinking about here? No charges conferred upon you. No, no, no money has to change hands. However, if you like what you hear from us and you want to buy us all a big bottle of peach schnapps, you can go to www.patreon.com slash the FBI basement and make a donation. Become our patron. Even a donation as small as $1 a month gets you access to all sorts of new audio goodies exclusive art from marissa and uh a few extra bits and pieces that we're working on right now and access to the discord chat where you can or you might could listen to us recording live or uh which we really should announce when we're doing that sometime Mm -hmm. and uh you can join the community of fbi basement fans and uh the growing community and we appreciate every subscriber and listener we get If you can't support us financially, please go to iTunes, go to wherever you found us and rate us, review us. Reviewing us on iTunes 
really helps get this podcast out there. And we really appreciate that. You guys just tell anybody you can about us. However you can shove it in their face. And then uh, to reiterate, it's uh, patreon.com slash FBI basement. No, the, no, the, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Valentine. Now let's get to this episode. Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of a strangely large Scandinavian population. Don't you know? <laughs> uh, you betcha. And winters that last for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. It's still winter up there, isn't it? Right? In, <laughs> in Minnesota, it's still winter. Uh, we just got rid of our snow a week ago. We open <laughs> in a funeral parlor where a young child is breathing comfortably while she sleeps in that coffin. Anyone else notice that? Like, seriously. <laughs> Her like, eyes twitch she, right before they shut it. <laughs> like, she's breathing comfortably. Like, she is not dead. She is just taking a nap. There is a eulogy going on that uh, where she is described as being the light of everyone's life. And wasn't it, wasn't it a same that she got hit by that bus, right? Uh, oh, my God. Like, is that what killed her? Like, do they use a different body? Because that doesn't look like somebody who got hit by a bus. As the um, uh, mourners process out of the thing, we see... Getting away from the smell of embalming fluid, because Jesus Christ. We see one of the workers sitting there and just kind of looking very, very ordinary. In one of these opening scenes, they were using what sounded exactly like music from Minecraft. <laughs> Uh, that was, yeah. by the way, uh, Nick Chinland as Donald Faster. And I, I, he's been in a lot of things, a lot, lot of things. Good character actor. He got a lot of uh, acclaim for his portrayal of the character in this uh, episode. Oh, no, it's a really good episode, and he's very good in it. He is having a very normal one. Apparently, the funeral director comes to him afterwards and informs them that the family has requested a graveside service to take place in the morning, so they'll be keeping the body overnight. Uh, once the mourners are gone, he goes over to close the casket, but not before looking down at the girl who's trying so hard not to move. <laughs> she <laughs> is breathing. She's doing her best, but he reaches down and begins to stroke a lock of her golden hay-colored hair. And says, aren't you a pretty girl? And then closes the lid. There's a creeper alarm going off. and looks like a a pressure gauge and it's like maxed out. That's all I'm seeing. Uh, Later that night, uh, the funeral director is is still working at the home and is suddenly startled by the appearance of Faster again. Uh, And for a split second, he thought he saw like a demon or something. Yeah, that was really weird how he, he, they showed it. He was like the alien in signs. Yeah. But uh, he's wondering why Faster is there. But before Faster can really give a satisfactory answer, he looks down to see uh, Faster holding a pair of scissors and several hair clippings on the ground. Going over to the girl's coffin from earlier, he pops open the top to find that the girl's corpse has basically been desecrated. Her hair has been cut. (laughs) And she looks like uh, something out of a... Looks like something out of like an 80s hair metal band. (laughs) Yeah. This is where a guy goes off on him, yelling that he's going to get him fired and blacklisted. And and then uh, as he's yelling at him to get out of here, the sync of the voice doesn't match up with the video. And it looks like a really bad uh, edit job. It's funny. I'm doing ADR. Could you not tell? I mean... Now, Faster actually kind of looks like, you know, like looks a little bit ashamed at this point. Like he's been caught with his hand in the cookie jar now. It's like, oh, no. I'm going to get it now. This guy reminded me of tombs. It's funny. You should mention that yeah. because I think this is the only other time, to- the only other monster no. of the week character that comes back. No, okay. no, he's not. 
or one uh, of the few. There's th there's three basically. He will come back, and then we've not gotten to Pusher yet. Okay, so Tombs faster. Uh, we'll see faster again later. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, there's and then we will we'll get into Kitsuguri and Pusher. Uh, and Pusher, by the way, is a really fucking good episode too. Like basically, I, I will say it now. Pusher takes everything that is in this episode that makes it good. And then adds an X-Files bit to it. All right. And then we are up to the opening theme. I feel like this week, can we just have Dead Girls by Voltaire play here? Dead <laughs> girls like me. Yeah. as it seems. Only ten girls don't walk away from me. That's a good song. That's a wholesome song. Voltaire, Aurelio, yes, Aurelio Voltaire does wholesome, good songs that you can listen to with your whole family. Are they like The Clash? I've never heard of them. Uh, Aurelio Voltaire is a solo act. Uh, he is a sort of a goth comedy songwriter. Also writes a lot of song about songs about Star Trek stuff like that. Uh, he does. There's an album called Bitrexual. Yeah, the whole album full of uh, full of songs about Star Trek and Star Wars. So that's fun. Uh, but he's kind of like this nerd sort of goth guy. Uh, look for songs like When You're Evil, Dead Girls, uh, Raised by Bats. Anyway, you know, perhaps we should be talking about this episode right, as opposed right, to Voltaire, yeah. who is also fucking amazing. We um, join the agents, Muddler and Scoobly. <laughs> Muddler, Scoobly, and Boxer. They've actually been called to Minnesota by Agent Mike Mo Box. Is that his name? Is that really his fucking name? Yeah. You're f no bullshit. Oh my god, no, <laughs> no, that's like the worst name ever. Uh, he had discovered an opened grave and a desecrated body in a local cemetery, and he seems to think that it was done by aliens. And not seeing it's aliens, but I think it's probably aliens. We think Muddler, and he's like, no. Mulder pretty much shoots that down almost immediately because he's seen this kind of shit before. This was this is right after he admits to being a fetishist. This is pretty like this is like he, <laughs> it, it, I feel like this is the early like Mulder on the early internet like like on the GeoCities boards or something. Like I too enjoy weird sex fetishes. Let's face it, Mulder is half the internet at this time. Like, he's yeah, this is pretty much like Mulder is the one who has the <laughs> fastest like modem to download all the porn on AOL. They look down into the grave and see uh, a corpse that has been there. Looks like for a few months at least. Hair has been removed. Apparently, also fingernails. Scully is super not excited for this one. Right? She yeah, she, it, she can't get into anything that isn't filled with blood. Like, this is the thing. This is kind of like, I, I maybe we'll get to it. I, I believe we'll get to it in the episode, but it's like, this is super uncharacteristically uncomfortable for Scully for like whatever she, reason. Like, she squicks hard at this. And this like, is, this something is like, that's... no, here's my point is like, in the last episode, she's fucking eating fried chicken over bones. Like, she is okay with like just being like, there's food like she has a fried like a piece of fried chicken she's eating the motherfucking shit out of these chicken tendies well like being like all right here's a four like a 90 year old corpse but he, and like she has stuck her hand in all sorts of weird fucking shit but no the removal of fingernails and hair are like 
the bridge too far for her. I think it's really the, the, the act of desiccating a corpse for some kind of perverted desire. I, she does. She's Catholic. Yeah, but she does take her job very seriously. But she's Catholic. How's that? What does that mean? What I have no idea. Mean? Because we Catholics get into weird shit. How would you yeah. feel, Shannon, if, if your favorite author, if someone took their book and then, you know, digged it back up and then re-edited it and then put it out there for the public and said, see, I did this. That's exactly how Scully feels about this person. Okay, work. see, that makes more sense. Thank you, Valentine. So we passed over the reasoning for even going to Minnesota. Scully's like, why are we going to Minnesota? And Mulder shows her two fucking Vikings tickets. <laughs> Vikings versus Redskins. Like, I don't even want to see. Like, I like why football. the Vikings? Even I like football, and I'm like, fuck that game. Like, well, uh, Redskins suck. Scully's apparently a big Redskins fan. She is. I don't understand that, but how many times do I have to fucking say it on the show? The Redskins suck. Well, you apparently had to say it like I had to say it like seven times in this one fucking episode. God damn it. You're having a very normal one right now. I am very normal right now. (laughs) Just having a great day here. I'm having a goodest day, kids. Uh, Like, I'm about to become Scott Steiner over here, dude. Like, I'm hungry. So. Uh, faster's on the faster. We rejoin on the rebound from his uh, lost. All right, he loses his job, and he's very sad about this. Uh, well, actually, you see him. It's just am, am I getting a little bit confused here? He has a job interview where yeah. he uh, expertly creeps out the. Does he expertly creep her out? Because I kind of get this weird sexual vibe between the two of them like okay she looked a little bit creeped out at first but like when he starts identifying as a her like well yeah he it's, identifying her, it's like oh he's got christian we're fine too <laughs> he starts identifying like her makeup and the skin and hair product oh yeah yeah oh my god and, yeah, and all of a so sudden fucking this, this woman now realizes that this guy this is a guy like, will rock her bones <laughs> if she were like, dead like like she don't like like uh like she's gonna go home to her husband and be like well, you know what, George? I met a man today who appreciated the fact that I put some effort into what I looked like. He was going to be like, that's great, Agnes. Watching the football game. Watching the football game. Go Vikings. Apparently, um, uh, he ends up delivering frozen foods. Oh, my God. Are we up to the most trusting family in America? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, you like, hi, I'm Danny. I'm your thing. new, ba- I'm your new delivery guy. Like, oh, hey, it's great. Come to on see- in. Like, yes, don't feel free. Just feel free to do that. Can I? What's yeah. That? It's like, we is this like a-, a Midwestern thing or something? We, like, we used to no. get, do, do you trust your meat guy enough to be like, oh, no, come on in. Use my bathroom. Yeah. I have three daughters. Uh, I, no one. In Minnesota, even back then, kept their fucking doors locked. That is like a Dennis the Menace old ass trope. And they they really played it up on the you know, I'm I'm just getting defensive because I live in Minnesota. We're not all bumpkins up here. This is what I'm asking. Is it's like because you know, I live in the middle of fucking nowhere, and it's like we didn't even trust like the guy who delivered pizza, like pizzas in our neighborhood, let alone the meat guy. And it's like we certainly would never have let him into the house. Now, granted. Uh, again, I had an insane tiger mom, but it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I have three daughters. Please, by the way, come in. Just take whatever you want. If you need something here, we're never here. And by the way, we always leave the back door unlocked as well as the windows and feel free to just, oh, and by the way, here's a list of all our fears and our schedule. So you can go ahead and make your schedule. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, like, it's like she comes inside and introduces him to the entire family and like the, and, and like, okay, he, he, you go to use the bathroom or something and yeah. finds like the he finds like you know 
There's a house full oh, of women. It's so and fucking gross. Reaching in. By the way, can I just point out that that is like the cleanest like wastebasket for a house with like three daughters and a woman, like four women at any one point. Like I expected him to be digging through like used tampon like inserters and maxi pads and all sorts of crap that you would find there. And it's like, no, that's a super clean uh, basket right there. Wow. So- so we passed over the murder of the hooker. Oh, did we miss the hooker? Yeah, so so we we find out that in the 90s, apparently Minnesota had some of the finest quality that top shelf hookers. Well, oh, man. Is, well, see, this is these why they att- no longer have it. These are some attractive hookers, too. Um, yeah, like, this is why, because of this guy. That's why there are no more hookers. And I like how, like, he brings him back to his apartment and then uh, wines and dines her and whatever. Like, she starts getting undressed and... He has to take a call and he goes back there and he's taking it in his bedroom and she walks in. She gets creeped out that there's a bunch of flowers everywhere, like dried flowers. Like, what kind of freak are you? And he just calmly looks at her and just like continues, like accepting that delivery job. It was weird. Well, and it's like, yeah, poor Agnes, who is making the call, who's just like, oh, isn't it so great, Danny? You're going to be working here. Harold, he's going to be working here. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, she goes, he goes. And, and it's like, this is not like, here's the thing. Uh, generally, this is not the weirdest thing a hooker would ever be asked to do. Well, she's he wants to he wants her to uh, wash, wash her, her hair. hair first. Yeah, And he asks if, he, if she has like any chemical. Like, is your hair treated? Do you need? Yeah. Like, you know what? I wish that you need special shampoo for that. You know what? I wish that people who buy my regular shampoo would ask me that. I think later on, you'll see he has like a hundred bottles of shampoo and it's like, it's like my shower, except those shampoo bottles are mostly empty. (laughs) Or like my gym bag, but I also have like a (laughs) hundred bottles of conditioner, conditioner, conditioner. Fuck. (laughs) That's true. We have a lot of conditioner, but I also chemically treat my hair, which I should do soon because uh, it's pink now and not cute. Mulder believes that uh, uh, very soon uh, Faster's fetishism and ghoulism is going to escalate to to lust murder. And uh, it turns out he's right because he totally slays that hooker when she tries to run. I think he slayed her before or after he killed her. Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scully is not okay, but does write up a field report on necrophilia. <laughs> uh, Which she should know about because I do believe that she might actually have. Yeah, at least to some extent. Like she, like she is certainly a necrophiliac. This is why I'm really confused by this episode. It's like Scully. There's no way you can look me right in the eye and tell me you don't get tingly down in the bits when you're cutting someone open. <laughs> I don't get tingly in the bits. Wait. Yeah, she she does. Okay, so he interviewed for the frozen foods job and then got hired when he was about to kill the hooker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happens, and it's like the greatest moment in in cinematic history, right there. Her corpse later shows up in an abandoned lot with uh, with his hair cut off and entire fingers removed. Now, like and he is escalating fast. This where this is where Scully visually gags or something. <laughs> Scully is now uh, way is now a little bit higher up on the on the squick scale here. But uh, and Mulder Mulder's like, "Yo, you all right?" And she's like, "Yo, I'm fine." Like she's not fine. She is just using the word "fine" to say that she's fine, which means she's not fine. Yeah, so confusing. <laughs> 
that's when Fester makes the delivery to the uh, family that is entirely too friendly and open and honest about what they do. Like I was about to mention, I used uh, my family actually used to get frozen food deliveries from a truck guy. <laughs> Did you ever let him into the house? No. No. Was it like a, we, was it a frozen truck that stopped outside and like you like ordered off the thing and like he took him out and you brought him in? Pretty much, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you he... Schwans. That stuff. Yeah, Schwans. Yeah, they had the best fucking ice cream, dude. Um, no, we we would not allow him near the house. Like my mother would stand out on the porch and just stare angrily at the Schwans guy. Bring us the ice cream and the frozen meats. No, like we no no no. But also keep in mind we we also had our own cows, so that I named and I loved. And I am not over that, and I'm never going to be over that. Yeah, the fact that you actually ate those. And I ate my pet cows that weren't really my pet cows. No, I am never going to get over that. <sighs> True. Uh, he goes in and go and then goes into the wastebasket um, and manages to find some of the daughter's hair. Like I said, I feel like this is one of the cleanest trash cans and a house full of women I have ever seen. Like, look, I can't even... I can't even use the trash cans at work because they are so nasty in the bathrooms. How is this like cleaner? Like, no, women are nasty, just as nasty as men. One of the other prostitutes comes by the precinct to try and identify the man, the man who, by the way, Mulder is right is working up a profile for this, and uh, and Scully is doing it too. The she's trying to pick uh, out of the lineup whoever it was that uh, grabbed that. Uh, killed uh the hooker from earlier and remember they're not call girls if they're dead they're all hookers, hookers yeah <laughs> but of course she doesn't manage to pick anybody out of the usual suspects and uh just remarks that the guy was just very very normal super average like there's nothing nothing uh about him r- really stands out he had a white car is about all she can remember and well Mulder then concludes that this gentleman has no criminal record. They did a good job of making this one really CSI like. Like they uh is really procedural. Like, I really kind of like this is the thing. I it's been a while since I've seen this episode, so I was trying to figure out if I I was having a hard time with it because I've watched a lot of like criminal minds, and this is like very criminal mindsy, like it needs Joe Montagna trying to be the erudite Italian, though we know he's some dude from like the island and Spencer Reed and all that crap. If you haven't figured out, I'm not really a like I hate like I hate watch Criminal Minds. And it's kind of like I couldn't gauge if it's like did I not like this because I didn't like Criminal Minds or if this was actually not. And no, I also dislike the whole folksy we here in the Midwest don't you know like don't you know are not afraid. Are having a hard time dealing with this, dude. It is one year after the death of Jeffrey Dahmer. You're also dealing with BTK, uh, the just the Jacob Welling. I mean, exactly what you were saying. It's like now, no, because I lived in a fucking backwards town and we locked our doors. Yeah, not... I think pretty much, I think pretty much everyone at that time was on lockdown. Yeah, and also again, Tiger Mom. But yeah, uh, Mulder goes back to the profile specifically in regards to the killer's intense hatred for women. And uh, more or less, you know, draws the conclusion he hates his mom. I hate me, mom. I, you know, the weird thing is that it's like he's so Ed Geenish that it's like, no, no, Ed Gein did not hate his mom. Ed Gein fucking loved his mom. Wanted to keep around for a while. Like around him. 
around him and would make and you know he liked older women too so meanwhile Pfeffer is trying to better himself and is attending night classes uh where the where i guess some kind of weird uh mythology or english class where the themes and well he says that he is studying comparative religions which what the in his interview and uh he notices one of his classmates has lovely lovely short hair (sighs) he creeps up on her as they leave the uh community college but like she is having none of it kicks this guy in the nuts and calls the police why doesn't she have mace like, makes her this this girl is the smartest um, uh, victim we've seen on the X Files so far. By the way, yeah, like, she got away and she got him arrested. Like, here's the thing: is it's like literally like this guy is going to get his ass kicked repeatedly in like the second half of this episode. You know what's funny is he outed himself first before. So like, if she got away, there's no chance she's not going to be able to identify him. He said, "I'm in your class. I sit behind you." Like, how hard is it to get the roster? He done fucked up. That's that's pretty much how they catch them anyway, but... We flash to the autopsy room where Scully is going to work on the uh, prostitute. <laughs> but as she pulls back the... Like, the it, this is like the weirdest shot autopsy in the X-Files ever, though. Like As she pulls back the sheet to reveal the body, she sees herself in a kind of weird Luke Skywalker on Dagobah way. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I know, right? <laughs> uh, turns out she's having a nightmare and just really, really not dealing very well with this. Uh, Agent Box calls the uh, agents to the jail. Moldy Box. <laughs> I kind of want to believe that this guy is like Mulder time traveling back to sort of just meet himself in that sort of weird Doctor Who kind of way. Well, they have a um, uh, they have a suspect there, and even though Faster is right across the, the, the um, on the adjacent cell from this creeping guy, creeping on Scully, by the way, creeping on Scully while they interviewed this the, the schmuck with a mustache with the sweet porn with like the sweet porn stash there, who had apparently been called who who apparently had been called by you know the hooker that he that um uh, slashed him in the face after. <laughs> I guess he, got, he refused to pay for the BJ he got while he was cheating on his wife and three kids. But you know, he's a good guy, you know. It was it was just self-defense, right? <laughs> she stabbed me first. Yeah, it's like like what the fuck am I looking at here, man? Like uh, Scully at this point wants out, so she's asking to take the body back to DC for a proper is... autopsy and fingerprint analysis. She really just wants to like take it home. And kind of like she's feeling a little exposed with her fetishes here because we're talking about sex. Maybe that's what's making her uncomfortable. It's the fact that I think it is the sexual nature of what's going on. I here. think this is I think this is it. I don't think it's that it it's you know making her perverse and weird and creeped out. I think it's just that she is feeling exposed as a necrophiliac. Yeah, she's she's not happy that she's got these feelings inside. She's like, I don't know how to deal with these. Like, I shouldn't like, feel these feelings, but the yeah, closer like, I get to these mutilated corpses, the more my tingly like, bits get tingly. Like, she's trying to figure out if she is a top or a bottom when it comes to, <laughs> to necrophilia here. And, and she's not okay with being a switch because she's always thought that she's the top in necrophilia. She's the one who does things to dead bodies. But now that she is seeing this, she's like, all right, I might enjoy this. And she's entertaining new notions. And it makes her uncomfortable because it's outside her realm of comfort. I feel like we should have some crickets here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
I like that how we have a podcast where we assert that Mulder is a sexual deviant and Scully is a necrophiliac. And possibly a bit sapphic. And maybe sapphic. A bit sapphic. And Krychek is a chaotic bisexual. Oh my god, the sexual orientation of the X-Files. Back in the holding cells, uh, Faster uh, decides to ask the suspect the names of the agents that came. And because the uh, classmate decided not to press charges... Uh, he is soon released. Okay, why? Why did she not decide to press charges? I would think now he was plenty creepy. That I, I would, I would have pressed charges. Back at Washington, Scully meets with social worker Karen Kosef. Oh my god! And uh, Karen sort of snuffs out, exa- snuffs out the uh, Scully's discomfort and how she doesn't want Mulder to feel like he has to protect her. <laughs> And of course, this goes back to how she had been, she has been repeatedly attacked and targeted and even kidnapped and put into a coma recently. And that's a lot of trauma to go through over two seasons or like in five episodes. Like she's it's like you nearly died. Of course, you're going to have some issues. That's why she had to sleep so long in one breath. But the fingerprint analysis came up with pay dirt. <laughs> And that there was a fingerprint on one of the prostitutes' remaining fingernails. Well, you should take them all, take them all off, right? That's why you should take all the fingernails from your prostitute, or suck them clean. You know. Oh. Scully gets on the jet back to Minneapolis, but is told that she was called by someone, although Mulder nor Box have done done so. The fingerprint is traced immediately to Faster from his and from his recent arrest. He and his home is raided finding some human hair in one of the prostitute's fingers in the refrigerator. Guess he was saving that for later. Well, it's a snack for later, yeah. I mean... Finger food, huh? Huh? Lady huh? fingers nom. Give me one of those drama queens that just flips out whenever you find like a foot in the fridge. <laughs> wow. When Scully gets back in, back in, Faster is waiting for her and follows her out of the airport and uh, forces her car off of the road. So Scully gets abducted again. Mulder and Box find it, and Mulder is now officially in rampage mode. Oh, wait, is this like part two of Terms of Enrampagement with Fox Mulder? Yeah, this is like the second time he's lost Scully in in the single season, so he is not going to have He's not happy about this, no. In a house somewhere that looks like it hasn't been lived in for quite some time, Faster is um, uh, preparing a bath. Which is great, because she has yet to get a bath. Meanwhile, uh, he's got Scully in the in, in the uh, closet, and she's bound and gagged. <laughs> Scully uh, momentarily sees him do that weird little demon look thing again. Yeah, like, what's up? What's up with the shape shifting? Why is she hallucinating? And why did the other guy hallucinate? Or is this this dude's thing? Um, if you are looking, I for this, want answers. You see, Scully's a witch. Oh, well, yeah, that, that explains it. Yeah, there you go. Scully's a witch. Uh, Faster tells her that I've drawn you a bath and I'm going to bathe you. And Scully uh, is sick and tired of being damseled. And oh, she her into beats the, tub the fuck out of somebody here. Yeah, smashes him in the face, runs away, finds all the doors locked. But it's like, but um, uh, begins stalking her through the house. Uh, whole, Scully sides in another closet, and like when he opens the door, she's there with like a candle, like WD forty or some shit, and blasts it in the face with it. <laughs> Like she, like she is just like, no, fuck you. She silly stringed him in the face. 
She did something like it. It is kind of glorious. It looked exactly like silly string. It did. Mulder and Box is looking for Mulder and Box are still looking for Scully using the paint from the car. They managed to track it back to to Faster's mother, who died a year ago in Boca Raton. Yeah, this is where it felt really CSI or Criminal Mindsy. Yeah, yeah. This is when Scully manages to during the struggle. They managed to. Um, uh, and find the house and, and Mulder and Box bust in with the with a whole bunch of cops and um uh, oh god my apparently because apparently at this point they reveal that the house used to belong to his mother but was willed to his sister mm. what happened to his sister I don't think that's ever really explained um uh Scully as they're taking the guy away Scully insists that she's all right but then quickly collapses and starts crying in Mulder's arms and we've all been there right you just want to sink into Mulder's chest and just, just cry because you feel so safe, right? No. No one else has that feelings about no. David Duchovny? Never. Mulder types up the case file, letting Gully take the narration time off. Uh, likening Pastor to well, she's Satan. she's too busy crying. Form. She can't. Uh, we see this kind of um, uh, this kind of history of family and school photos of Pastor, <laughs> where uh, they <laughs> do the best great. to find these old photos of this uh, the photos of kids that look like they might be Damien from the Omen. Like the, these are the pictures of serial killers of the future. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like these children will murder. Like that's that's what I get from it. Some already have, and the pictures end with a shot of the adult faster behind bars. From earlier in the episode, like that's not even him in prison that. garb. Well, uh, can I also it. point out that apparently they were able to solve this one and the last episode we watched while they were still in fucking quarantine from Firewalker? Mm. Like they were able to solve three cases while they were in quarantine, like when they were not allowed to leave the hospital in Firewalker. Yet they. They've Somehow solved three managed. cases. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they had to uh, account for them buying, you know, Vikings tickets. No, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say this episode was a good one. It was really well acted, really well done. Good. Um. Uh. And, and uh, big ups to Faster. Big ups to the, the the actor who pulled that off and really made made, made this sell. The only gripe I have about this is that there was really nothing that supernatural about any of it, apart from like the demon face. And I don't understand that, and I don't understand why it's there, and I don't understand like anything with this episode. Like it's like it. There's not really a reason. I felt like if they had written that in, like I don't know, maybe if like while he was behind bars, they had shown him one more time shape shifting, that would have then cemented the fact that yeah, it's something actually supernatural. Like if they would have shown us just the viewer that he was shapeshifting, not any of the other characters in the show, because they were all, all people seeing it. If we had seen it in that final shot, that would have made this a perfect X-File. And to be fair, there is a follow-up uh, that we're going to get to in later seasons with this one. And I don't know if it explains shit. But the fun little thing, the fun thing about this, this one is like that Mulder gets to do a lot of what Mulder, what made Mulder a star in, in, in his early days in the FBI. And that's profiling and, and tracking down serial killers. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and by the way, I should point out that Todd said killers <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to killers. But yes, this guy is. Uh, no, I mean, it does. It, it does certainly talk about uh, paraphilias, which we don't really uh, was not really something people were talking about in the 90s and especially doing like 
Well, it's like Dahmer was a year dead at that point. Like you said, BTK was still out there. BTK was uh, silent. He had gone into uh, hibernation, but was still something that was floating around in like places like Kansas. I don't know. Like, this is the thing is it's like it it is sort of something that kind of lives in the memory of it all. And yet, I mean, we're still this is one of those episodes. And I think the next episode is also going to be like that. And I, maybe they didn't really go too deep into the demon thing because of what was coming in the next episode. Oh my God. This is such a good episode. Everybody. Hold the on, next gonna, one is I'm so great. Gonna, I'm not going to, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but it's like, <laughs> uh, the thing is like serial killers and what is coming. Both seem to come from the pages of the tabloids at the time. Tabloid newspapers eat this, eat this stuff up. Right. Tabloid. I used to. Yeah. And especially the more salacious and the more more um uh, violent it is, the 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 more they love it. And uh, this one was one of those that really pulled, really sort of pulled it out of that. It didn't have a supernatural element to it, but maybe it's a little bit more horrific that monsters aren't always supernatural. Monsters exist in this world with you and I, and they could be as normal as you could ask for. <laughs> Marissa, we haven't heard from you in a while. It's one of my all-time favorite episodes. I usually just talk to my phone of it. I really, I just, I, I just like this episode. I chalk um, Scully's fear in the beginning up to something uh, primal, maybe, maybe related to like being able to sense there's something off with this guy. Uh, that's different than what people she's seen before. Hmm. The makeup was amazing. I, I believe it's the same people who worked on Buffy. Um, quite possibly. Because yeah, they kind of do the vamp out thing, I suppose. They used to interchange uh, um, FX artists. Well, and also, if you think about it, a lot of those places did film in the 90s in Vancouver. They still film in Vancouver because it's cheaper. Yeah, I liked uh, when we did actually see the the uh, M. Night Shyamalan-esque alien from Signs type of demon. He looked like a demon. I'm going to I'll give him credit for that. I just wish they had really cemented it as like this dude's supernatural. Other than that, I like I yeah, this is probably one of my favorites. This is it's a good episode, and it's like yeah, there's not really an explanation, and <sighs> it, had, it had a good mix of everything in it. I feel like it was it was at least good, well written. And how and how hard were you rooting for Scully when she started fighting back while while well, her hands just were beat bound? The fuck out of that right? guy too. Like yeah, it's like that uh, damsel me again. Fuck that. Like no, thank you. Scully is not going to be fridged again. Like she just. She, she hits him and runs out of the room and he's like, you, you can't hide here and cut to her hiding there <laughs> <laughs> pretty well too. Like I am, well, she's tiny so she can fit in small. Places. She is so tiny right. and she likes hiding in small places. Before we give the final score to this episode, we're going to have a little bit of dissemination of all the information you need for your daily life. Information piece. The first, the medicinal mass network is your source for great on-demand audio. Valentine, tell them all about it. (laughs) That says it all right there. Check it out at medicinalmass.com. And Shannon, the writer of many words, uh, currently the the, the files of the Department of the Arcane series. You can check out her books. Where can we find your books? Where books are. Uh, you can find them at schuffwrites.com, or you can also find them on the Amazon. I'm sure there are links with this episode. Right on. Right on. And uh, for your art needs, look no further than the Oddite Delight. Yeah, you can find me by that name on Facebook, Twitter, 
Picardo, Instagram. Don't look on Tumblr. No. Do you have no. a MySpace? Huh? Do you have a MySpace? Don't look there either. <laughs> Don't look at either of those. I hope nobody is listening. This goes well. Well, that's something juicy. Right on. Okay, so by the way, just in case we were all curious about this, we are going to get more of this insanity in um, the follow-up, which is going to be Osiren because reasons. That's in season six, right? Uh, I think so, and I, I'm not. I, I, I feel like it's it's gonna get dumb, guys. I feel like this is just gonna get dumb. Um, <laughs> well, let's uh, try to end this on a happy note because we've got to give our scores. I am going to uh, give this one eh, three and a half out of five bottles of half-filled shampoo. Shannon, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give this three. Uh, funeral crosses uh valentine yeah i'll also give this one three out of five tingly bits as someone is biting into a sandwich and slicing into a corpse mutilating the corpse and marissa i give this uh what is it maybe in yet another bath that scully hasn't had to like this time he was gonna give one to her why didn't she just take it well probably because she was gonna die afterwards yeah he was gonna murder her but she really like she really did. She really was not. Yeah, come on, Scully, treat yourself. Hashtag treat yourself. She could have fucked F- him up after the sh- after the bath. That's all I'm saying. The FBI basement comes to you every Thursday, and uh, we, as a part of the Medicinal Mass Network, you can support us at Patreon.com/slash the FBI/slash FBI Basement. Until next time. Oh, join us next time when we go to that PTA meeting. Uh, and then we have to go talk to all our children's uh, teachers. And then we have to sacrifice the black goat. Otherwise, uh, we will not bring on the 12th darkness of Satan. Please don't make me try to pronounce this episode name. I cannot. She simply cannot. I will attempt it next week. I'm Todd for Valentine, Shannon, and Marissa. This has been the FBI Basement. Good night. And the truth is out there. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more from our other shows on the Medicinal Mass Network. Shut up, Todd. Shut up, Ned. I really just want to go into the Doctor Who theme every time we do that, though. The handy verl 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 Yeah, hail Satan. Um.